Welcome to the Lifelinks Podcast, all you sassy Latinas. This is where you come to hear stories that resonate with you, help you discover your true cultural identity, tossing off the need to fit in, and standing out with your authenticity, because that is your superpower. I'm your host, Consuelo Crosby, and also the creator of this content. If there's anything you'd like to share, please reach out to us on our Instagram social media at lifelinks, that's L-N-X-X, or through our website at thelinks.com. Of course, come here for some love and chat sessions with our fab guests from the comunidad. Sit back, have your cafecito, maybe some vino, whatever you like, we are bringing the sisterhood to you. Hola, chicas! Welcome to a full episode of the Lifelinks podcast on this glorious International Women's Day. And what better way to celebrate than by listening to our featured guest, Damale Gonzalez, ready to share her powerful perspective on the importance of discovering your cultural identity by learning the history of your ancestors, their countries, the culture, and current day theory. She is a Brooklynite. Williamsburg native of Puerto Rican descent, who writes opinion, analytical, and idea pieces through stories about everyday life experiences. I met Damali virtually when she shared her exciting news of being published in the Latinx Project at NYU. You will love her insights and knowledge that really encourage you to discover your true identity. Welcome to the show, Damali. So grateful that you're here with us and sharing your time. And we're excited to hear about this journey you're on. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really honored uh, that you asked me to be part of the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation we're going to have today. Yeah, your story is very intriguing. So we met virtually on the We All Grow Amigas platform, which beautiful women with such profound stories. So why don't you catch the listeners up? Give us a little history about your cultural heritage and did it affect your upbringing? And what's your early story? Yeah, so I'm Puerto Rican, uh, first generation in New York City, born and raised in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Um, it, it's, I think, already saying that it's pretty complex. Um, being from Williamsburg means uh, that I went through, uh, I basically grew up in gentrification. Uh, Williamsburg used to be mostly Puerto Rican uh, and like some Dominican and Mexican. Um, and I grew up in that diversity and black as well and, and Italian. So that's already pretty complex. Being first generation is pretty complex mm -hmm. as well. My parents migrated from Puerto Rico to New York to just find like employment. It's sort of very typical of migrants, sure. right? To go to another sure. country. I'm also the only child of my parents. I have a brother, an older brother, but we didn't um, grow up together. It's been such a journey and just being raised here in New York City it has profoundly affected the way that I see myself, um, the way that I see Puerto Ricanness, and what it means for me to connect to an island that is still a colony of the United States. Mm. Mm. So did you feel 
There was an inclusivity, though, when you were growing up, since there was so much diversity in the neighborhood when you were growing up. Did that feel like you had connection to Puerto Rico and your culture? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, Williamsburg was very Puerto Rican. It was a it was a pretty tight community. My parents knew a lot of people. I still have good friends from the neighborhood. Yeah, it was a really, really beautiful community. It had its problems. And a lot of those issues came just from like the government itself not funding our communities the way that they should have. One of the things that I can say about New York is that New York specifically is that there's different kinds of housing stock. And one of those housing stocks is public housing. Um, there's Section 8, there's rent stabilized apartments. And I mean, over the decades, especially rent stabilized um, apartments have been deregulated in a great amount. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. There are about like a million rent stabilized apartments currently. Um, I don't remember what the number was before, but there was a lot more. And this different kind of housing stock keeps people in communities. And yeah. and my parents, I, I grew up in public housing. So my parents are still living in public housing. And so that means they're still able to stay in Williamsburg. But if okay. it wasn't because of that, um, they would be, you know, who knows where it would be. Right. Right. Yeah. So living in New York, the way we met is because of the project, the article that you wrote that is part of the Latinx project at NYU. Did you go to NYU? Is that your connection there? No. So the Latinx project was founded by a Puerto Rican professor that I had met in undergrad oh. many, many years ago. Arlene Davila, I've always followed her. She's done great work in the Puerto Rican community, the Latinx community in general. Mm -hmm. um, and five years ago, she opened up the Latinx project at NYU, which I was like incredibly just excited about and impressed. And yeah. And then I realized that they have a publication and, and I just reached out to them to write something and they accepted. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. That article we will have linked here on your episode, linked in the show notes and the article we'll have on our website. But as a reader, that article was really emotional for me. And I don't know much about Puerto Rico. So having your connection with it familial connection with it, as well as deeply informative from a historical and a political place now, where it's at now. What inspired you to write that? What was the catalyst? Yeah, the so the article is about a backpacking trip that my mom and I did uh, back in 2017. It was August of 2017, which was a month before Hurricane Maria. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. What inspired me to write it was particularly the story around trying to find my mom's childhood mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. And when I really started to reflect on the trip, which was a week and we traveled around um, different places in Puerto Rico, it wasn't just San Juan. I just really started to think about like what Puerto Rico was then when we backpacked and what it is now. And I just felt like it was a story to tell 
I mean, the, the objective of the piece was really to inspire Puerto Ricans to go back to the island. There has been a huge exodus from the island because of just so many of the climate change issues, economic issues, political issues. And so I wanted to use this story with me and my mom to inspire folks to go back either personally or to go back um, politically. My mom hadn't gone back to her childhood home in 34 years. And so there's that oh. story. And then there's my story of being the first gen of the diaspora. Mm -hmm. So it's like these two generations going back at the same time together and exploring what Puerto Rico is. So the article is speaking to both people, those that haven't gone back for a long time and those that have gone back here and there, but maybe just go to the beach. Right. Yeah. More yeah. of a vacation, more of mm -hmm. a maybe go visit family, but not really get into the deep dive of the country, of the island, as you say. Tell us more on the excursion with your mom. How was it for her? My mom, she's not the most expressive person. So even asking her today, like, it's kind of hard getting like some sort of like reaction out of her, but. Yeah. She did tell me that she just felt really excited to finally see the home that she grew up Aww. in. Aww. Yeah, because she comes from 10 siblings and everyone, like wow. all her siblings left. So that means that the house was abandoned and oh. no one went back after so long. And she was yeah. the first one to go back and she's the youngest. Um, so she just felt like. I think for her it was a little bit of closure of like what happened to the house, mm. um, you know, what happened to the people in the neighborhood and um, can we recover it somehow? Yeah. And what was your perspective in experiencing that? I think it was really interesting in that when folks read the article, you know, the house is enclosed, so there's no access to the house because mm. the homeowner next to the house put up a, a fence and a wall. And so we couldn't even access it. And that, you know, was really interesting to me in terms of like property in Puerto Rico and specifically abandoned property in Puerto Rico and what happens to it. Uh -huh. And and then it it turned into the question of like, well... <laughs> If a hundred thousand Puerto Ricans are leaving every year and they're abandoning their homes, what happens to those homes? Right. And, right. and then that goes into is Puerto Rico in danger of mm -hmm. outsiders coming in and just trying to take over this property and gentrify it, displace mm -hmm. people. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just the simple thing of like, we couldn't access it as a bigger question of, you know, what happens to all of this property? What is like the government doing about all of this property? Are they just going to give it away to quote unquote In colonizers, right, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Investors, developers. Mm -hmm. So does she have ownership? Does the family maintain ownership of their property? Or is that the unknown? Yeah, that's the unknown um, mm. because it's enclosed. The only way to access it is through someone else's home. And there's also laws around abandoned property in Puerto Rico. Um, so if you like abandon it for a certain amount of years, you lose right 
of it. Yeah. Oh, see, that's what I mean. This article is so emotional. And that's just the personal aspect of you and your mother's journey to find her home. Mm -hmm. But then along the line, when you're reading this article, you're discovering, as you mentioned, how the current political mindset is to go and, and take over the island and to develop the island, not for the purpose of the people who own it, who live yep. there. What would you want readers to get from it? Whoever maybe is like first generation in the United States comes from parents who are immigrants. I think anybody can relate to the article in that you never want to lose your roots. And you never want to lose your connection to your homeland. Mm-hmm. I always think of Puerto Rico as my homeland. The land is like so sacred. And that's where my ancestors are from. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's where they thrived and that's where they suffered. Mm-hmm. And I think it's incredibly important to, to keep that connection and to go back. I, I mean, homogeny, it's very dangerous. Right. So like really embracing um, your unique culture fights against the sameness that the U.S. is trying to spread. The article is not just for Puerto Ricans. It's for a call to everyone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For their culture. The name of the podcast is based on that. The life links links with the double X for the women. Um because I feel like they are the vessels of knowledge, of culture, of ancestry. They carry the stories, they carry the healing, the spirituality. um, And that you have no control over how it's in you. And to feel that loss, to feel the disconnect, even, um, or even more so, I should say, as a first gen, because you can't explain it. There's no reference. Your parents don't feel it. They feel the loss of their country because but they have memories and they have stories. Whereas you feel the loss of the country and you're like, where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. So I really understand that pining for going to this country and going and immersing yourself in the culture because you can't sustain yourself living like I call it a fish out of water, right? Yeah. The yeah. Isla is your ocean. It's where you thrive and you don't even know why, except that, it's just part of your ancestry, which is powerful. It is. Yeah, it's it's very powerful. White supremacy is a really powerful thing. And mm-hmm. going back to your homeland is self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Well, it keeps me just like present in, yeah. in myself mm-hmm. and not trying to get lost in like capitalism or things that don't matter, but that Mm -hmm. capitalism tells you does matter. Are you feeling hopeful that this current generation, millennials, Gen Zs, they're very actively going back to learn their culture and identify with it because it sustains you, it fills you. Does that bring encouragement to you? Yeah, it does. It really does. Um, I even see it in my own family. I'm like the youngest cousin out of my cousins uh-huh. on my mom's side. And my cousins already have grown kids. And oh my so gosh. my second cousins have uh-huh. gone to Puerto Rico. They have like, they love Puerto Rico and some of them don't even know Spanish, but they mm-hmm. connect with it in such a 
beautiful, like primal way that I didn't even think they would. And I was like pretty concerned about it when they were little. I also think like Puerto Rican nationality is very, very strong. Like Puerto Rican pride. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, like, I mean, we are proud. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you know Spanish, you don't know Spanish. I know Mm -hmm. people that have never been to the islands and they are like, a mí me encanta Puerto Rico, you know? And it's a beautiful thing. I really love this like generation that's coming up. You know, I'm a millennial, but mm-hmm. um, I, I love this generation. They're just so much more aware and just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm so impressed by them. And I think that, yeah, they are the future. They're also fighting in Puerto Rico for Puerto Rico. Yeah. What does that look like then in Puerto Rico? What is the youth actively doing there? Yeah, I mean, there's so many movements. Uh, and it's not just the youth, it's like very in- intergenerational oh, really? in Puerto mm. Rico. So maybe like a month ago or two months ago, people were protesting in front of the governor's house to not renew the contract for Luma Energy. And Luma is a private electricity company that took over in 2021, I believe. Puerto Rico privatized electricity, whereas before it was public. Luma has left thousands and thousands of people without electricity for months. So, yeah, so that's one of the fight that is happening. And, and, you know, it's young people, it's older people. It's just people standing up and saying they're not going to take it anymore. And by the way, the government renewed the contract. This is so frustrating because it feels so out of reach. It feels so out of your control to do anything about it. It's a sacred place that has been the harbor of of people's existence. And to have it being treated like a commodity. Mm -hmm. um, That that was the purpose of it. It was um, from the beginning, it was a commodity for Spain. Hence the name Puerto Rico, which is a a rich port, um, but really... Puerto Rico's name is Borinquen, the indigenous name. Mm. But, you know, it it is incredibly frustrating. It sometimes feels very overwhelming to deal with these political and social issues on the islands. I mean, Mm -hmm. one of the huge things is that I think it's like $70 billion debt in in Puerto Rico that has been ongoing for many, many years. You know, the U.S. government denied them bankruptcy. And it's really an illegal debt. It's not audited. Um, and it was really just vulture capitalists taking advantage mm-hmm. of Puerto Rico, giving them loans that, you know, were they couldn't pay. And so, yeah, those things, those like huge things that are happening feels like, oh, my God, we're never going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And you're right, like from the, the diaspora, for me, sometimes it feels like I just want to be in denial because it's very overwhelming. But one of the things that was really, really amazing was in 2019, um, where thousands of Puerto Ricans stood up so that the government that was then, um, Ricardo Rosselló to resign mm. because I think the name of the organization, Centro de Periodismo, Mm-hmm. Um, so this like small organization of journalists released like a 500 page 
manuscript of Ricardo Rosselló making fun of gay people, making fun of like um, oh, women yeah, that have experienced domestic violence. And the Puerto Rican people won. I mean, he, he resigned. Oh, wow. I know this is going to emotionally really rev people up, rev their interest up, want to read your article, learn more for themselves. Uh, how would you recommend when people feel like they want to do something, the listeners, they want to do something, what would you recommend? Where do they go to get actively involved? Yeah, um, at the end of my article, I actually put links to things that people can do. Mm-hmm. One of those things, um, there's a, a volunteer nursing program um, in some barrios in Puerto Rico where healthcare is really bad. And they just need like nurses to help. So the link is at the end of the article. There is also like beach cleanup days in Puerto Rico, like around the island. And then there's like very grassroots things that are happening. And all of that is mentioned at the end. Perfect. Perfect. Well, how do you see it now? Have you been back since the second hurricane? No. Do you know like what the condition of the island is now? The infrastructure of Puerto Rico is really damaged. I read recently, for example, that El Junque really hasn't even recovered from Hurricane Maria. And so El Junque is like one of the biggest uh, rainforests in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And so it's incredibly important for just like Puerto Rico, the environment, yeah. like all of that. And yeah. so it hasn't fully recovered. And so I could imagine now after Fiona, like even more, um, it's even more damaged. People are still leaving, you know, they're still leaving the island. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of the same issues are happening. They're just exacerbated with every single huge, like natural disaster. Things get even more exacerbated. So like Mm -hmm. more and more people leave the environment gets damaged, like roads need to be rebuilt. Puerto Ricans still don't have electricity. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. So, you know, there are suicides happening on the island. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, a lot. So (laughs) there's a lot happening. We know what the U.S. has always been doing, what it's done to any quote unquote now state or territory that it that it's wanted it goes and takes it in very nasty ways and i'm wondering if that kind of history would it help if the young people today if they learn the history of how it got to this point i think a, a decolonization process needs to happen i think there were conversations about decolonization when maria happened was it because of the lack of response yeah. after Maria, the lack of response? Like, well, forget it. Why are we being held by you if you're not even going to help us when we really need it? Exactly. It was, yeah, Trump was in office, you know, oh, and he like, did not respond, you no. know, quickly or adequately. At all. Yeah. At all. FEMA took a really long time to get to places. It was a mess. A lot of people died mm-hmm. that d- did not need to die if... The response was better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think a, a decolonization process needs to happen. And I think part of that process is going back to the island 
and um, seeing things for what they are versus what you would want them to be or what you think they are. And the way that I wrote the article was talking like, yes, we arrived to so-and-so place, but this is the history and this is what we saw. Mm -hmm. And this is like what's happening. And I wish that when people go back to the island, they would go back with historical context and like current context Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the first step, you know? Yeah, because of learning the historical importance or the historical personal connection that then it's not seen as a commodity, it's seen out of respect and there's respect due to the ancestors and the people that are still living with the ideal of ancestors um, Mm -hmm. in their vicinity. So how you can come back into Puerto Rico if you're going to, to live there, if you're going to become part of the economy to support that further is what you're saying, rather than come in with your own ideal of what it should be or what you want it for yourself to be. Yeah, exactly. I think especially Puerto Ricans that are going back to not be part of the problem. I have heard a lot of conversations about oh, let's like buy up the property, the properties that are going to go into foreclosure in Puerto Rico because we're Puerto Rican and, you know, it would be good instead of like non-Puerto Ricans coming in. But then I'm like, is is that the solution? Mm-hmm. You know, like taking advantage of people already leaving so that you could come in. I mean, it's, I think it's pretty problematic. One of the powerful points in your article that I read and I didn't know, and it's really shocking, especially in the 21st century. This is really shocking, but it also is like very much like Cuba, um, where the food, they have to import the food in Puerto Rico and it can only come from specific buyers. Like, this is ridiculous, isn't it? Like, yeah. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit to that? Because I was shocked. That is just like a chokehold. A lot of people, a lot of Puerto Ricans are already familiar with it um, just because it has come up during the hurricane. One of the biggest issues is the Jones Act. And it came up during Maria where Puerto Rico couldn't receive aid from other places because of the Jones Act. It's a law from the 1920s and Puerto Rico cannot have anything imported unless it's from a U.S. shipbuilding like vessel. So oh. it's such a archaic thing when you think about it. It's, it's not a free market and it's just, it's crazy. But it's not just the Jones Act that is really affecting the way that Puerto Ricans get their food is also just years and years of the United States dismantling the agriculture sector. Those are the two big factors, but there's also other issues like monoculture where you just like keep planting the same thing and then the land, the soil doesn't work anymore. So there's just a lot of issues. Your knowledge of the history, how did you acquire it when uh, you were expressing it in your article? In undergrad, I took a Puerto Rican culture class. So that was when I first got exposed to the history. But I've also been 
really familiar with Puerto Rico because I've been going since I was like a baby because my parents oh. went almost every year. So since I was little, I've always been like exposed to the things that happened there over time. It was just a matter of putting the pieces together. So after I took that class, I graduated and then I backpacked the Caribbean for three or four months when I was around 24. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So I, I started off in Haiti and then I went to the Dominican Republic. And then my last stop was in Puerto Rico and I spent like five weeks in Puerto Rico. And that's where I really like started to learn, like interact with Puerto Ricans themselves outside of like my family. And they started telling me stories. They started telling me what was happening on the island. And I just started reading more about Puerto Rico and like the current news and what was going on. And then I started going to Puerto Rico on my own without my parents and volunteering there and, and, and some grassroots movement. And yeah, that, that's been like my education around it. It takes time to learn because it's so complex. But I think when you start to understand it, you can't like unlearn it and you want to learn more. When you were living there for five weeks and you really yeah. got to know people and speak to people, did that shift how you viewed yourself with your cultural identity growing yeah, up in New York? Absolutely. I felt like I understood myself more. Just like why I am who I am. The environment that we grew up in definitely influences who we are and what mm -hmm. we're taught by our parents and all of that. But also this ancient knowledge that's in yeah. the body is also something that I think maybe we don't acknowledge or know yeah. about it, but it's there. And so when I was on the island, I was like, oh, wow. There's these like intuitive things that are happening inside of me. And I just felt like I, I knew where it came from finally. You felt grounded and you felt, yeah, yeah, connected. Mm -hmm. Humanity oversimplifies that you come half from your father and half from your mother and there you are. But it's not that way. All those strands of DNA in you, who knows what ancestor is popping through on that and what they were like and what they're bringing out in you. Even when I was in Puerto Rico and I have gone to Puerto Rico so much, there's still things that don't connect. And, um, because of the Spanish colonization, because of the U.S. colonization. And so I've actually been living in Spain for like over a year and living there has really made me understand more of the nuances of why Puerto Ricans are the way they are. And so then that has shed a whole new light on how I see myself. I also did a ancestry DNA test. Oh, really? Yeah. And it okay. was, it was very interesting in that I'm more Spanish than oh. I am anything else. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually, uh, like 23% Spanish, 19% Portuguese and 17% indigenous Puerto Rican. And then the rest is like five to like one percent. Yeah. So I think it's just identity is just incredibly complex. Mm -hmm. 
Had you known that about yourself before? Had you known you had that much Spanish heritage? No, No, but I felt it. (laughs) So speak to that. What is that? How does that represent? I felt like I had a very strong connection with Spain. Mm -hmm. um, And I don't know how to explain it. I started creating my family tree. I've been looking at like where my grandparents are coming from. And Mm -hmm. like my third grandparent was from Portugal and then traveled to Puerto Rico and oh then created a family in Puerto Rico. Okay. All right. Um and then and then they moved from this small town to another town where my mom was born. And Aww. yeah, so it's interesting. Oh my goodness. We do have that possibility of having indigenous to the country blood in us, but then we also have maybe a colonizer blood in us and so (laughs) which um, is conflicting right and i've had women on the episodes here speak to it in a way of like mentally it can trip you up if you start battling in your head about it but like you say again i mean the dna the soul is just going to be one thing or another and neither is wrong when it comes to Spain and how you were living there for a year, or is that out of curiosity? Why did you head to Spain? It was completely unplanned. Last, nice. Well, in August of 2021, I went on vacation. Yeah. I've lived in New York my whole life. I had a life here, but I went on vacation to Madrid because Madrid called me for some reason. I had went to Barcelona several years ago and I didn't really like it. Mm. Um, so I'm like, let me see it. People were telling me Madrid was different. I went, I was there for a week and I fell in love with it completely. Oh, nice. And then I decided to move there. So I, I came back to New York and I gave up my apartment. I sold everything and I moved oh my in gosh. November. Yeah. I moved in November and found an apartment. And, oh my goodness. And that was that. It just taught me so much about like, why does my father react a certain way or like oh. why does my mom react a certain way or <laughs> because i mean spanish culture is so rooted in puerto ricanness i mean I'm, i was incredibly surprised i mean i had like no idea did you think yeah. it was just the puerto rican way then yeah and then only to realize that oh no it's coming from spain and portugal yeah <laughs> yes I was like, wow, even the food, obviously. Um, yeah? yeah. I love your freedom. I love your independence. <laughs> it's just this vivacity of, well, let me just be on my journey and see what moves me. Being able to stay there legally is a challenge. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things that I did um, come to learn is that any country, any nation that was colonized by Puerto Rico um, is able to get nationality in two years. And so... um, You mean by Spain? Yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that. Um, Like the Philippines. Mm -hmm. It's a way of reparations, isn't it? Exactly. That we came over, we took over your country, we took all the resources, like Peru, (laughs) took all your gold. Um, But therefore, isn't it if you're born in the country, then you can move to Spain and within two years have citizenship? Yeah, it's more more complex when... when yeah, when it comes to Puerto Rico, um, mm. because we're a U.S. colony, we don't have our own oh. passports. Oh, 
Right. Yeah. People that were born in Puerto Rico can show their birth certificate. But uh-huh. the caveat is that you need to have two years of legal residency in Spain. And that's what makes it really hard to get citizenship. But if you're part of the, the diaspora, like you weren't yeah. born in Puerto Rico, you don't have a Puerto Rican birth certificate, then you can claim a Puerto Rican citizenship certificate from the state of Puerto Rico by using either your parents' Puerto Rican birth certificate. And so, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, Yeah, so I did that and I have the certificate. So that would be proof, you know, that that I'm Puerto Rican. Oh, that's amazing. That's exciting. But also, didn't Spain just now adopt the um, Nomad visa? Yes, this month. But... That's also really complicated. Everything in in Spain is really complicated. <laughs> they really love their country. Yeah. Um. You know, they're not going to make immigration so easy. I love this wandering you're doing and and discovery because it's obviously fueling your really deep down soul. You're finding yourself in it. But touching back on Puerto Rico a little bit, what are you hoping to see in your lifetime happen in Puerto Rico? What would make you feel the joy that, okay, this makes me happy in my lifetime we were able to? I I would want to see the Puerto Rican people be sovereign. Mm. And I think that starts mentally. Puerto Rico is just very codependent on the United States. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it starts with the government. And so that, um, you know, that affects the psyche of Puerto Rican people. I see. Yeah. And how they um, think of themselves, how they mm-hmm. think of the islands, how they think of the United States government. Mm-hmm. And so I want the Puerto Rican people and not just the Puerto Rican people. I want all people mm-hmm. to be mentally free and spiritually free. Uh-huh. And I feel like once that happens, then everything will go from there. Yeah. But if, if our minds are still colonized, then our bodies will still be chained up. And and so then that's what I would want for everyone. To have the freedom, the mindset that they have power within themselves to yeah. have the life that they want. It's almost like establishing your self-worth, right? You have worth, mm-hmm. you have value, and therefore you can have the life you want. When you're harming people, you're intentionally preventing them from having aid and food and sustenance and and you can live with yourself in that. But and for what? I mean, what's why? Is it just purely power. money? Money and power, yeah. Money and power. Mm. Wicked. But then we have Bad Bunny. Ah! <laughs> I love Bad Bunny. You see, I mean, it's like it only takes one. It only takes one disruptor to go, well, screw all that. Yeah. And reach back to the people. And yeah, it awakens. Because like we said, all this episode, it is in you. Mm -hmm. You just need someone to stir it back up and, you know, bring it to the surface. Like live your soul out loud. Yeah, I love him. I love him. (laughs) <laughs> I have problems with his lyrics sometimes. I mean, sometimes. let's say that, right? Like reggaeton mm. could be very machista. So there, yeah. you know, there's that issue. Mm-hmm. Puerto Rican culture could be very machista. 
but Mm -hmm. he does do and say things that are so amazing. Like one of the things that he has said in several interviews is like, you know, I don't really speak English. Like I'm going to speak Spanish. This is my language. Yeah. And then he starts talking very Puerto Rican and I'm like, (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's, it's great. Um, he did, I think it was like last week or two weeks ago, he did, um, he went on top of a, I don't know if you saw it, but he went on top of a gasoline station yeah. in San on the Juan roof. on the roof yeah. and just started yeah. doing a concert. And, and I think everybody was out and they were, they were singing Apagón, which is the song dedicated to the electricity crisis in, in Puerto Rico. It, kind of like a small documentary with oh yeah um, yeah of like the electricity issues on the island mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean who does this this is amazing yeah no he's definitely a disruptor mm-hmm. and i love his ownership of i don't need to assimilate right i'll find my people my people found me are you doing your creative writing while you're in spain yeah yeah i'm always writing coming up with ideas What's your interest? Are you writing along the same ideals that you did your article for Puerto Rico? Yeah, a lot of my writing is on identity and culture. Mm. And it's a lot of like think pieces, opinion pieces on uh, just different things that happen on a daily basis. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a lot of like storytelling that I do, a lot of things that maybe have happened to me and I connect it to like a bigger picture yeah and and yeah that that's really what I focus on just because I really love that kind of writing Uh connecting the personal to uh the history and um the bigger issues that are happening in the world Mm -hmm. do you think that helps people or the individuals um frame like step back from their you know, myopic picture of themselves or myopic identity and step back to really understand where they're coming from and also maybe their purpose, therefore? Absolutely. I think it has helped me to understand the things that happen in my life to connect it, like, to something else that is outside of me. And I think because it has helped me, I think it does help other people, too. Especially, I think, when writing this article, you know, it could have easily been just like, oh, I'm just going to talk about me and my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's just other bigger things that are happening. And I think writing in that way gives like a different perspective to people. And maybe other people will start to analyze things in a different way. That it's not just things that are happening to them, but that it's coming from somewhere Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. I align with that a lot because I always believe that you're born with a purpose. And in order to know the purpose, you have to know yourself and you really understand how you operate in order to play your part in the universe. Otherwise, it doesn't function right because (laughs) the players are missing, (laughs) you know, because they, they haven't stepped back. They haven't found out who they really are what they what they represent what that feeling is that they've just denied themselves of because yeah there's nowhere to go with it yeah i love that yeah it's knowing the conditions that you're in the conditions 
and the circumstances that you're in is what will make you understand who you are because you need context. And Mm -hmm. we are not who we are without other people and without other things that are affecting us. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yes. And it's not coming just from your immediate experience. No. It's coming much deeper. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I love it. So where do you want to take your writing? Are you developing it in a format that you see for yourself a bigger context of your writing? I definitely want to write consistently for several publications. So I've been writing for a really long time. I was writing a lot before, like from 2014 to 2016. And then I stopped for like five years. Oh. And, and now I return by yeah. publishing this article. And so I'm really just starting off again. And my dream is really to write all of the things that I want to write about in the same format that I wrote this article in personal story connected to a bigger picture. I mean, that's what I really want. Um, and to continue to do collaborations like this, I think it's super fun. And then see where it goes. My ultimate goal, which has always been my ultimate goal, will always be my ultimate goal, is to facilitate um, the freedom of other people. Or not facilitate, but to support the freedom of other people. That's how I approach my writing, is that whatever I write, Hopefully it could free some part of someone because um, they can now think about things in a different way that would give them like some relief or clarity. Clarity. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word for it. Clarity. Mm-hmm. Because they may not have been exposed to even thinking that way. To see themselves in a different light, to give themselves permission Exactly. To see themselves in in a different light with a different purpose, um, which again, it's like power of the podcast to get this out worldwide. You never know who's going to hear it. You never know who's going to immediately go, oh, wait, what? And then boom, there's a connection over and over again versus trying to get you <laughs> in person out to these people or your writings out to these people. It's just like as many platforms as we can get your creativity and your mindset like you say out for the people because you never know yeah there's so many things to think about like how did we get here and i think that maybe we all have to like stop for a moment and Mm -hmm. just be like how did we get here who are we authentically like asking those questions and be comfortable in living in whatever that Mm -hmm. is in the moment reframe what you want with yourself for the future but do it with a clean slate Mm -hmm. a true identity Mm -hmm. truth true of your truth yeah which is connected to our cultures our ancestors uh it's connected to our history it's connected to theory oh i love that (laughs) oh i think we're going to end on that i love that There's the quote. There's the episode right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Damali, thank you so, so much for your insightfulness, with sharing so much of your time in sharing your writing and what's fueling your soul. It's 
we really appreciate you expressing that, expressing your journey and your hopes and your wants here with us. And definitely will inspire, lift the burden from uh, people hearing you today. Really appreciate you being with us. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. I felt so comfortable. And I think we talked about so many things that <laughs> at the end, like came together. Mm -hmm. And you hopefully um, other people can take bits and pieces of it, if not all of it, and really reflect and apply it to, you know, their own analysis. Yes. In our lifetime. That's our hashtag. In yes. our lifetime, yes. we will see, we will see change. We will see a purity and a truth um, yes. from people living. Yes. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you. Well, I hope you had your minds blown, emptied any concepts of blending in, of assimilation, and are open-minded to find your true self based on your culture, your ancestors, your history, and current day theory. Those are powerful words to end on with Damale Gonzalez, a native Brooklynite Williamsburg-born Puerto Rican who feels rooted in her Spanish ancestry. The absolute stunning beauty and power of diversity that forms a new perspective of the world aimed at spiritual freedom for all. Wasn't that just amazing? That really just uh, felt like a big hug. <laughs> it felt like a big hug of encouragement. And remember, you can find more about Damale Gonzalez in the show notes on this episode. Just scroll down through the description and you'll see a link which will click over to her article on our website at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X-X. And there she has provided information on what you've heard in today's episode. So you'll have a link to her published work at the Latinx Project at NYU and the books she recommended, which I need to pick up and catch up on. Also, her Instagram profile, if you want to connect with her personally. Boy, the conversations we could have, amigas. This is so amazing. So grateful for Damali. And look forward to you next week on our Pod Club episode, where we dive into those gems that we heard here today and bring them out further to see how it resonates with all of us. This episode surely helps you step into your truth, ladies. Ciao! Really appreciate the time we take to rate and review the podcast. Get the backstory and what you've heard here today and reach out to us at thelinks.com. That's L-N-X-X. Because it's about time, it's about us. Stay in the groove on our social media at LifeLinks and get ready to make your move, ladies. Viva!